When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you're ready to learn practices to transform your life and claim the potential inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm a psychedelic integration coach, breathwork facilitator, and an enthusiast of personal growth. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world, and there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on your journey. This podcast will help you learn simple methods you can use to transform your life and share the stories of practitioners who are doing the work so that you feel inspired to go and practice, because that's the vital point. My guest on today's episode is Dr. Ryan Westrom. He is the founder and visionary of Healing Souls. He's been a mental health practitioner for over 20 years and is the author of this amazing book, The Psychedelic Integration Handbook, and host of The Psychedelic Psychologist podcast. He leveraged his background in traditional therapeutic methods and infused his work with holistic, intuitive therapies that empower you to take charge of your life and mental health. And he's earned his doctorate of psychology from Sophia University in San Francisco, as well as holding an MA degree in marriage and family therapy from the Adler Graduate School and a BA in psychology from the University of Minnesota. His areas of specialty include psychedelic therapy, addiction, trauma, LGBTQIA, sex addiction, sexual trauma, sexual reassignment, anxiety, depression, anger management, teenage relationships, couple and marriage relationships, grief and loss, spirituality, experiential work, and end-of-life transitioning. So, wow, I'm really grateful to uh, have Ryan here on the podcast. Welcome. Jonathan, it's an honor, and um, I'm very humbled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I reach out to a lot of people that, um, and when Ryan reached out to me, I was like, wow, okay, I literally have this book sitting here on my desk. How super cool is it? Um, and I'm thrilled that we're uh, able to connect here. Yeah, the beauty of synchronicity, so, right? Um, yeah, yeah, amazing. So how did you get involved in psychedelics? Was that something that kind of just transitioned from your work in the mental health field? Or like, tell me the story of how that came about for you. It's the classic story that I'm going to start talking about when I was an infant. <laughs> the, the, the irony is, is I actually took my first dose um, when I was 12, 12 years old. And without belaboring my long history, Jonathan, it was a clandestine situation where by the grace of the higher powers that be and my spiritual allies protected me. And I had a pretty significant dose of psilocybin at a very young age, which led me on this trajectory and to kind of be all psychedelic starting at the end now is why I wrote the book for my 12 year old self. So as I was positioning this book, right. It was designed because, you know, I was pre-internet or pre-significant internet and I needed something to tether to and I didn't have it. I was grabbing at books that fell off the shelf and all the different things. And telling my personal story, I hope, allows people to feel a deeper connection to listening to their intuition and allowing themselves to find safe space and allies that they can trust as mentors as healers, as teachers, as providers of guidance. And it was far before anything started coming back into position with psychedelics that I was kind of exploring what was intuitive to me. Moments I would drop it and set it down, moments I would pick it up. But the whole entire time, there was a cadence, Jonathan, for me to listen to what was intuitively coming through me and being asked or being offered. Well, it's it's interesting what you said in terms of like the psychedelic integration handbook that you wrote, like kind of bringing all these other things together, because that was one of my first impressions of the book was like, wow, it's like this is like a compendium of all a lot of different uh, methods and sources and a lot of information all compiled down into this one wonderful source. And I found myself feeling really grateful 
to have this, um, when I first started getting interested in using psychedelics more intentionally, you know, I, I, like you, like, you know, have been working with psychedelics, if you want to say working with from a, you know, fairly young age, but it was mostly recreational. You know, I didn't understand anything about the language of integration or, you know, that container, even though some of my um, experiences were like subtly pushing me into this like spiritual, um, like enlightening kind of direction, having resources like your handbook really helped to start to turn the corner in terms of like what was possible in terms of healing, in terms of growth. And so to have something like this, where there's so many different methods that you can immediately put into practice for yourself, um, I just found really, really uh, amazing. Well, I'm deeply appreciative. I thank you for saying so kind words. Uh, the practicality of it is really what I was aiming for. And I hear that endorsed by what you're saying is there's a need for when we're working with psychedelics to ground them, make sense of them because we are embodied right now. Right. I know psychedelics lead us to want to understand the ethos or the cosmos or the proverbial why we're here. And yet what I'm hearing constantly throughout my practice and would love to hear more from you is people want to know then now what to do with it. Like, how do we? And that's what integration is to me, is taking one thing and taking another and integrating them together. Pretty much one plus one equals two. And how we can not oversimplify it, but for lack of better terms, learn to actively participate with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things for me that like wanted to lead me into the work that I'm doing was my experiences of like having these really embodied unified you know unity consciousness higher sort of realms of 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 existence and consciousness um having a taste of that and feeling like yes this is it like i i've i've arrived and then the frustration of that experience fading and kind of coming back into the human experience and being like no, I want, I want that. Wait, uh, this is what I wanted. You know, like, where did that go? And then I started to notice sitting in integration circles and talking to other people, hearing similar stories from them of like, well, I'm back here for another ceremony because I'm still looking for that thing, you know, or on the flip side of it, like them coming out of, you know, like a weekend of ayahuasca and being like, oh, love and light, everything's amazing and perfect. And then what, you know, coming back to them a few weeks later and it's like, well, all my shit's back, you know, like right. the behavior hasn't changed or, and, and that's, that can be so frustrating. I remember it feeling frustrating to me of like, wait, like now I had this experience. I, it's not a theory. I know it's there. So how do I merge that with the rest of my life? How do I integrate it? And, um, you know, to borrow that like kind of Buddhist, you know, uh, you know, phrase, it's like, you know, after the enlightenment, chop wood and carry water, you know, so how do, how do we do that? And how do we bring those, um, those bits and those experiences of these other realms and of these other consciousnesses into the rest of our lives? It's a great question. And the answer that always comes to mind with me is being curious, but being compassionate in our curiosity, right? So I often end a lot of my emails or conversations or even my own stories with people is how are you being gentle with yourself? And I think if we can start with that, Jonathan, allowing ourselves to have compassionate grace and gentleness to what we're dealing with. I mean, let's put it in perspective. We're working with many plants that have existed far beyond verbal and written history so it, it's somewhat um arrogant yet a little bit narcissistic to think we as human beings are gonna you know understand what is being downloaded on us and i say it humbly because myself included i know nothing i'm seeking curiosity for reassurance i'm seeking an understanding sir to be compassionate to what we're attempting to make sense of and if we can lead with gentleness 
then there might be some space to go, oh yeah, now I get it. Or now I can at least come into concert with that conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What what you just said, one of the things that it reminds me of is something that has been kicking around in my head recently in terms of sort of the hubris of, of people that we, ha- like say we, we're approaching this work with uh, at least, you know, if... <laughs> depending on your perspective, lifetimes of built up karma, habits, behavior, but even just to keep it within this lifetime, right? Like say your, mm-hmm. your entire life, you know, that your childhood experiences, whatever complex trauma, if you're, you know, um, familiar with like the work of Stan Groff, the things that happened to you in the birth experience that are still kind of stuck in your body, not to mention everything else that's happened to you since. Right. And then you're going right. into this ceremony and sort of expecting that one psychedelic experience is going to change all of that. And that's not necessarily realistic. Like we're asking a lot of these amazing plants and, and molecules. And so I'm like, Hey, like, can we slow down a little bit? You know, can we like have some, some patience in this process and realize the magnitude of what we're trying to shift and even shifting a couple of degrees in the direction that you'd like, or that feels more aligned to you is, is a big accomplishment and worth like celebrating. I think. It's true. And where, what immediately comes to mind, Jonathan, when you say that as just a personal reminder is I live in Minnesota. So as you talk about just a degree or two, as our access on the planet moves just a degree or two, we could be in 13 below zero today. And tomorrow we might be (laughs) in 42 above zero. So it's like, that's when I share with people similar to what you just said as a ringing endorsement of healing is look at the gradients of growth rather than these radical transformations of growth. And if you can look at it in that way, this sense of like, oh yeah, what a gradient or a degree of growth is and how substantial that can be for somebody there, I feel like fosters hope or provides them a reassurance that they're at least right on the right trajectory. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny you say that. I remember I lived in Minnesota for for a time and I remember like one of the things that struck me just besides for the temperature difference between where I live now in Arizona is like uh like during the summer how how uh late it would stay light out. You know, it would be like nine or almost ten o'clock and the sun would still be out. And then like on the traverse, you know uh during the winter it was almost like where'd that sun go you know like um and just like you're saying just a few degrees of difference creates such a different experience you know in that environment right right yeah the other thing you you said that you got out you got out (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's funny that people in minnesota would say the same thing they're like why would you go live there it's so hot you know yeah yeah, yeah. the people here are like why would you live there yeah um the other thing that i love that you just said um that i'd love to just keep like uh going over a little bit is the curiosity and the curiosity with compassion and I guess what comes up for me is like, because curiosity has become a really big part of my own personal experience as well, instead of being judgmental. And I realize that when I'm curious about my experience, there's a lack of judgment. And so if I don't have that curiosity, if I'm being judgmental about my, about that experience, oftentimes that's not where I'm being compassionate or kind to myself because there's a judgment there about how things should be or, you know, some sort of inner critic part or something like that. That's like running the show and trying to dictate my experience instead of like approaching it, like you said, with that curiosity. And to me, it's uh, curiosity is like one of the most important things that I try to impart to people. So I'm glad. Yeah, that it's that. fantastic. You say that because at the end of the day, then we have space to develop, right? There's room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just pre, it's not bringing in our pre notions of like what's supposed to be. And it's, I've been working recently um, at a residential treatment center 
And so it's really interesting, like working with a different sort of uh, group of folks that I have been working with sort of as a psychedelic integration coach, but I'm doing breath work mm -hmm. with them. And I'm like constantly like saying like, hey, be curious about what's happening. Like, is it okay just to be here right now and be curious about what's coming up rather than kind of shutting down and like being like, no, I can't handle this, you know? And um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, and what you're saying, I want to just take a moment to pause too of the prudent approach of the difference between psychedelics and what breathwork can have. And as you eloquently know in your practice and for people to hear is, Today, we think because of the wonderful new renaissance of psychedelics is we should catch up or do more. Well, I'm here to say we should be a little more prudent with our approach, intentional with the reason why we're using it, and then doing activities such as breath work or classical therapy or just setting it down. I mean, I'm in the scheme yeah. today, Jonathan, of saying, hey, let's put it on the shelf. It's okay to go back to. It's always going to be there at some level. And be, be okay with trying to like really dive into and create what is your integration process. What are you doing yeah. outside of those expressions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can totally relate to that. I mean, I've been basically psychedelic sober for going on about a year and a half outside of some microdosing, you know, protocols and, you know, some random experiences here and there. And a lot of the reason for that was sort of the magnitude of the experiences that I had previously and the frequency in which they were occurring. It almost like, I was like, okay, I need to just pause and start to actually work on this mountain of things that I need to integrate now, you know? And like you said, it's always gonna be there. Um, yeah, it's an interesting place we're in, right? Like uh, with with these medicines coming so close now into the mainstream and becoming so much more prevalent, it's almost like we're bringing that Western medical kind of um, viewpoint into it of like, take this pill and you'll be cured and that's, not what psychedelics are at all, you know? And so I, I've literally heard, and I'm sure you do too, right? Probably much more than I do of like, well, I'm looking for this like magic pill or I'm looking for this, right. you know, magic mm -hmm. bullet. And I'm like, you're looking in the wrong place. Like <laughs> without a doubt, you know, without a doubt. And yeah. to, to piggyback off of what you're saying, I think one of the things we should be skeptical about, or at least prudently aware of, is what you're alluding to is using these medicines for uh, not only a one hit pill, but Jonathan, the idea now I'm noticing every single diagnosis, every single disorder, every single symptom of sorts is being uh, studied, which I deeply appreciate. And I am not the gatekeeper, but where I become skeptical is is how, like you said a couple minutes ago, does this not seem to be mirroring what the medical model is? Is, hey, you have this, use psychedelics. You have this, use psychedelics. You have this, use psychedelics. And that to me feels a little incongruent of what would be beneficial to somebody. And I don't believe it's for everybody. Right. Yeah, to me, and I think, I don't think I'm alone with this, uh, you know, psychedelics are sort of the starting point. You know, they take you mm -hmm. right to the work. They don't do the work for you. They just kind of shine a light on what's there to do. Um, and from that perspective, they can be very healing and very helpful for things like addiction or depression, anxiety, because the, you know, like at least within the Western medical model, especially like for addiction, you know, like I don't think that addiction is necessarily the, the problem. It's what the addiction is trying to cover up and cope is the underlying problem. So if we can do that work, you know, if you have a psychedelic experience and then, then points at some of those underlying issues, you know, trauma complex childhood experiences, you know, other adverse experiences that, you know, you've been 
using some sort of substance or some sort of activity to cope and soothe your nervous system so that you don't have to work with that. Well, there is an opportunity there, but you're still going to have to do some work. You know, my experience was exactly that. Like I came out of a abusive marriage where I was drinking a lot, using cannabis every day and not in a therapeutic manner or intentional manner. Um, I was probably about 50 pounds heavier than I am now um, because of my diet. And my immediate reaction was like, okay, I'm going to start exploring more with plant medicines and I'm going to clean up my life. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to start eating better. And as soon as I did that, all the things that those behaviors were like covering up started to bubble up to the surface and I had to deal with them. And in the beginning it was fucking hard, you know, like it was like, wow, no wonder I was drinking. No wonder I was eating like this because there was some stuff there that I wasn't ready to deal with, you know? So it's, it definitely, these medicines are super, super transformative. And yet I think we have to approach them in a very grounded and realistic manner. Yeah. And at the end of the day, bringing in, a kind of prudent expectation of what, like you said, we're trying to do with them because the legwork does come along with it. And as you eloquently said, it shines a light on something now we have to look at. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that kind of struck me as I was reviewing the psychedelic integration handbook um, in preparation for our interview today was um a lot of the integration exercises and things, the practices that are offered within it, they're wonderful for integration of a psychedelic experience. Many of them are just wonderful in terms of self-care period. You could take the psychedelic part out of it and it would still be things that are good for you to do for your health, for your self-care, for self-discovery and exploration of, you know, and so it's not, you know, just to, further to your point it's bigger than just the psychedelic you know it's truly speaking to a much more holistic uh approach truly and i think that that's and something we have in we have in common you know i i appreciate that and i'm sorry for stepping on your toes i get excited no, no, about that topic and the idea is jonathan exactly it's taking elementary ideas and solving for complex problems so you you are intuitively and accurate with what you witnessed in that book is my ideas are not anything revolutionary. I'll be the first one to say that they're, they're common things that we should be doing to take care of them. What I do in that book, just to articulate a little further and distill it, is at some points I do talk about the relevance of why these exercises are important within the realm of psychedelics and then why they're also important to just live. Make it your own in your everyday. You know, building an altar or, you know, taking a moment to take contemplation and stillness or eat silently, there's relevance to the psychedelic aspect. But really beyond that, it's this human experience that we're attempting to really be comfortable in. And I don't mean to sound existential, but it's coming across that way. So I don't know how many people at large are really comfortable with disembodied experience. And so to be like, okay, let's use some integration activities to go, yeah, I am comfortable in this body and it's fun to express it in those ways, those actions. Yeah. Getting, getting comfortable with silence, bringing the sacred in to your life and connecting with it in an embodied way. Uh, I definitely agree. That's, that's great for everyone, regardless of whether you're working with psychedelics and, um, yeah, I, can, I I agree with what you're saying, you know, especially the, it seems like the way that we're going in our society where we're so plugged in and constantly looking at a screen, constantly kind of, you know, attention has become the sort of the currency right now of sure. you know, what companies are, are vying for. And a lot of the practices um, that we're talking about in terms of like walking meditation, you know, building an altars you know, just doing some sitting meditation, eating silently. Um, those are quite the antithesis of sort of the way that we're 
being encouraged to spend our time. Um, right. I, I know for myself, I know for myself, like that's been a huge turning point in my own life is like unplugging, you know, intentionally and creating, uh, you know, a daily practice where I am, you know, spending it intentionally connecting with my body, connecting with spirit, um, and doing that before I start to plug in and get on the hamster wheel, um, that, that, I, that I think we're all forced to be on a little bit, uh, if we want to be in sort of the normal quote unquote normal society, you know? Well, when you say that, it reminds me of what you talked about being chop wood, carry water. I'm actually um, a firm believer of digital detoxing. So a part of my practices as well as I hold up my dumb phone is not texting, engaging in healthy conversations. And, you know, I, I'm a guinea pig, so I'm not sounding like an elitist or, a, you know, a, a directive of what it's taken me five years, almost four years now not to have a smartphone, to practice it. And it came through the psychedelic medicines of recognizing what you're saying. And from my translation, sir, it's, I believe our culture is firmly engaged in consumption rather than digestion. And what happens and what's building anxiety to talk a little bit psychologically is that I, I'm seeing our culture and our societies percolating with this insane amount of anxiety because we're roughly supposed to be digesting anywhere from what's on average 275 full-length newspapers a day and not to digress from our conversation about integration but in that it makes people think then we are seeking more than we need to and that's where it kind of dovetails back jonathan to psychedelics is i want to offer the consolation that we don't have to do it a lot we don't have to try to consume more. We have to learn to digest what we have and ask ourselves, is this enough? Finding contentment in ourselves and saying, okay, yeah, I'm good enough. I don't need to know what's going on across the country, let alone across the planet, besides being informed, right? I'm not trying to you know, shut people out or say we're not globally worthy of knowing about each other, but rather prudently understanding and compassionately curious without being consumed by thinking we have to be everywhere at one time, because we're not light beings. We can't be everywhere at one time. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, my, I got to tip my hat to you just to be able to not have a smartphone and, and to be able to detox that much. That's, I know that how large of an undertaking that can be. Um, it certainly is a challenge for myself to, even turn turn things off for a couple of hours a day, uh, let alone <laughs> turn my phone completely off. So I, I just want to commend you for that. I think it's I think it's admirable, and um, that's it's an amazing feat. Um, you know what's interesting? What came up while you were saying that, and, and I I totally agree. Like um, in terms of the amount of information that we're uh, presented with on a, on a daily basis and the things that were just, you know, I, I think I read somewhere recently, it was something, it was, I'm going to mess up the statistic, but it was something like, you know, we get more information presented to us in a day than somebody like a hundred years would have seen in their entire life, you know? Um, yep. and the, ra the ramifications of that, you know, that we, we don't even know, right. Because it, we're, the technology is moving so quickly. Um, but what came up for me as you were, as you were saying that was this thought that in a way, um, a, a good psychedelic journey can sort of expose us to a similar channel mm. of information, right. you know, all of a sudden, like we're accessing a lot higher bandwidth of frequency. We have access to different planes of information or, you know, uh, frequencies that are, that are coming through. And I know for me, like one of the things that has changed in my work is like, rather than let me just open that channel as much as possible and just kind of, you know, drink from the fire hose, so to speak, it's, you know, what, what kinds of breathing practices and embodiment practices can I bring into the experience so that 
I can be as present as possible to the experience itself. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but it, for me at least, that's been very transformative in terms of like the work that I'm able to do within my journeys, as opposed to just having this wild ride of a trip that kind of goes in whatever direction it may. And I'm just kind of trying to hold on to the tiger's tail. Yeah. Right. I really, um, I'm grateful for you bringing these two together, uh, and allowing me to talk about that because that's exactly my internal desire and support for people is to minimize our expectations. As you just said very eloquently is not only is our brain being open to an opportunity to digest more and consume more, what comes with that though, is then an overarching concern is like, okay, I came in with these intentions, three or four intentions, and now I'm supposed to also walk away with them. And my request in my public service announcement based off of what we're talking about here is, hey, allow yourself to know that maybe you just got downloaded with infinite wisdom of the source or you met you know, God or you created an understanding of what your next 20 years on this life looks like. That doesn't mean you have to do something with it today or, you know, like slow the road. Like, let's make this incremental. Let's take on what feels heart centered, front of mind, do something with it. And I'm not suggesting like this, you know, siloed everything. I'm going to just eat one thing and do one thing. That's that's absurd. What I'm saying is monitor and moderate the level of how you integrate too. don't think we can do all 10 things that were just given to us in the psychedelic field. Like Mm. just because people are saying, yeah, your brain is becoming neuroplastic and we're like biohacking the shit out of our life does not come with like infinite wisdom of how to fucking do anything with it. And I'm sorry for being so crass, but it's designed to like let the levity of like, Hey, you know, this is serious work, but, if we're going to take it with that much intensity, we're going to be put in check all the time. And we're going to walk away from those experiences defeated, or as you said earlier, needing or having a desire to then recreate that and chasing, you know, the tail of the dragon and just going, okay, I, I, I'm limited again. I, I met my limitations. Whereas I want to reflect and reframe that and say, well, did you do your best efforts within what you got? Are you capable of putting some things on the shelf to revisit? As you said beautifully, year and a half of psychedelic sobriety, you're still churning and cultivating shit, I'm sure. I know I do. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the endorsement, without sounding like I'm on this crazy-ass soapbox, for people, just be prudently confident in what you know and you know if you can't carry it or make sense of it that's okay totally okay yeah i think i get kind of intense about that (laughs) no i think it comes back to what you said in the beginning in terms of you know having care for yourself with the curiosity as well it's like hey it's okay that i don't figure this all out in this moment it's totally okay and 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 like you're saying probably if i take a step back and can look at it a little bit more objectively probably to be expected based on you know the full scope of of the experience yeah and again without circling back it's that beautiful word you used is not being so hubris that we're gonna just download the infinite wisdom of psilocybin mushrooms that have enough it's like even me saying that out loud makes me laugh Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh it's it's kind of like a rabbit hole you could go down forever, you know? Um at least from the human perspective. Um right. it's it's fun. I mean, there's definitely times where I enjoy kind of like you know, sticking one hole, you know, one foot in that hole and being like, "Oh, okay, so let's let's talk about stoned ape theory or like, let's talk about right. the mushrooms being this alien intelligence, you know, things like that. Like, okay, those are really cool ideas, but it's, it's almost like, um, you know, what it reminds me of is like, um, 
in, in Buddhism, like there were questions that people came and asked the Buddha, you know, cosmic type questions mm -hmm. where he would say like, that the answer to that question doesn't really matter. And it doesn't, it doesn't interest me. Like I'm here wow. to teach you about suffering and how to like get past it. And right. these cosmic, these cosmic questions don't really matter in that context, you know? Right. So it's like, will we really know if stone ape theory is true or not? Uh, I don't think so. So yeah. is it the most important question to answer right now? Maybe not. <laughs> right. And what I, what I love about what you're saying, and, and, and again, take it uh, with a grain of salt, is this idea of theoretically taking something and then practically acting within it. So a large aspect of how I want to remind myself and how I believe is this idea is, okay, I have this theoretical idea, say the stone date theory. And then what can I do to practically like live in that, to wonder and be okay in it, in my body, in my emotional heart, in my thoughts. And then on the other end of that experience, be it with psychedelics, breath work, hypnosis, or any other non-ordinary states, dreams, go, okay, yeah, well, now let me walk with it for the remaining time that I have on this earth. And then when it dissipates, like everything does, reconstitute something else of curiosity. You, you mentioned uh, hypnosis there, and that was something that I wanted to ask you a little bit more about as well. So hypnotherapy is something that you work with in your practice. Is that right? That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm becoming more curious about this just for my own practice and based on some things I've been studying recently. What are, what are some of the ways that hypnotherapy could assist in that integration process or just in our lives in general? How does that it's a work? great question. And so the first thing I always like to share is a disclaimer that hypnotherapy is designed, especially in the therapeutic realm, is really suggestion and guidance and support of opening the unconscious or the subconscious, or what I like to coin as the super conscious, right? And it's not me training people to quack like a chicken or, you know, satiate something that they think. It's really offering somebody, and I appreciate the laughter when I hear that from people, is they're like, okay. So once we have to kind of demystify that, how I use and personally use hypnosis is an integrative tool between sessions or prior to, depending on potential people's fears, right? And again, this is, as somebody's talking about the magnitude of their psychedelic experiences, a, a large aspect of their story becomes almost petrified in fear of uncertainty or concern of not making sense of it, right? So on either end of the experience, a person's either talking about the fear and anxiety of what's coming up, or at the end of it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold this and harness it as we spoke about really clearly. And so when I use hypnosis and how I invite hypnosis is helping people kind of just ground it in their body and really cultivate a continuation of their superconscious, right? A continuation of, as you earlier mentioned, Stan Groff's work, who I deeply admire and deeply revere is that in that inner healer, allowing the inner healer to continue to walk with you. And he coined that term to say that we know what we have within us, we just have to get out of the way. Right. Right. So this hypnosis is a practice of like, continuously um, polishing what is, or maybe, dare I say, inviting something in a little easier accessible. Right? The love affair I have with hypnosis, and I'm sure you can appreciate with even breath work, is there's, there's, a, there's a capability that's um, by logic, people know that they can kind of get out of, right? Whereas with psychedelics, they've taken the mushroom, they've taken the medicine, they've done something. And immediately they're kind of, as you used earlier, the word captive towards that experience. Well, what I kind of talk about within breathwork and hypnosis is you get this opportunity to kind of release in if you desire to surrender to it. Yeah. And there's always a get out of jail free card to say, hey, this is too much. And then I could help you kind of come out of the waters. Right. Right. Yeah. 
that's it's really aligned to something that I talk about a lot with with my breathwork clients in terms of like especially like a lot of them that do have psychedelic experience where I'm like it's it's like a few degrees of separation you know like just like you're saying like the 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 psychedelic the medicine is going to help you over the cliff you know that's that's the analogy I often give is like walking up to the edge of the cliff and thinking about jumping off and like what starts to happen in my body as I think about that. And like with mushrooms or ayahuasca or other medicine, it's like, there's a big hand behind you just going, Nope, here you go. <laughs> Whereas with breath work, you have to be the one to, to mm-hmm. allow yourself to surrender and jump off. And it's, I think it's a skill that's worth, developing because if if you're relying on the psychedelic to like really help you into that expanded state um as opposed to really truly opening to like you said that inner intelligence that's there it's waiting to kind of come online if you allow it to and get and get that conscious thinking mind out of the way uh, what other areas in your life could that, you know, kind of be useful for? It's perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an offer. It's an offer to consider, right? It's this idea, Jonathan, that we get permission. And that's what I like about hypnosis is it's a offer to consider. It's an invitation mm-hmm. of sorts. It doesn't have to be accepted. And I think just to kill a dead horse here is this idea that we don't have to accept every invitation that's given to us. And I think that's one of the biggest misunderstandings today with the psychedelic world is we do not have to accept every invitation that's been provided to us. We don't have to change jobs. We don't have to make sense of a living arrangement. We don't have to radically, you know, accept the words of the higher sources that are powering down on us. We have to be very kind of conscious of doing something and leaving what's on the table that might not fit and taking what resonates with you. Hmm. I love that. That reminds me of, um, you know, one of the notes that I wrote down in terms of the integration handbook, um, two sections that I've really enjoyed are the maps of consciousness and channels of integration. And within both of those chapters, it goes into these different systems with which you could, you know, use to kind of navigate the waters of, of your life and your experiences. And it's so important. And it's something that I talk about a lot in terms of like thinking about who you're going to work with, you know, like right. who you decide to work with and their beliefs and their framework from which they're coming from can have huge impacts on the way that you, you know, integrate and experience the things that you're going through, you know, because they're going to be presenting things through a particular lens and a particular framework. So um, I really appreciate having all these different approaches, you know, laid out for me in terms of like, hey, here's some different options and here's how they work together. Here's how they contrast to each other. Find what resonates for you, you know, right. and, and again, having that, having that curiosity instead of, yep. you know, just kind of locking into a particular perspective. Yeah. And in, in kind of my closing statements in the book and my closing often is this idea of making it your own. I'm not uh, the gatekeeper. And what I love about our conversation today is knowing that we both do similar works with different gradients of variations. I say that to people, I go, you have to feel comfortable with the person. And, and you said it beautifully. We're not for everybody. We're, we, you need to massage the relationship. You have to trust the space and the container. And at some point in time, then you'll know if it resonates with you. And if it resonates with the relationship of support. And that's, I say, about certain medicines, the person supporting you, the people that give you direction. Don't take everything so literally feel into it and make it your own really be conscious and intuitive and listen to your heart listen to your thoughts and walk with that Hmm. beautifully said 
Yeah. I love it. Um, well, I want to be cognizant of the time um, for both of us and uh, leave some, just a few minutes to talk about what are, what are some of the projects that you have going on? How can people connect with you if they want to work with you? Um, Thank you. I deeply appreciate that. Honestly, um, the best way to approach me and reach out to me would be through my website, healingsoulsllc.com. Um, as you were so gracious to talk about my book, the Psychedelic Integration Handbook is on Amazon, or I could send a personal copy. I'm very accessible. I appreciate any kind of insight or direction that they have. Um, the projects I'm into right now is really, as I uh, gently alluded to, is making sure people are conscious and aware of why they're doing it, right? This real harm reduction that we have as an undercurrent of this work, allowing people to know who they are and what they're doing. Another thing that I find deep value in is the integration of dreams. So I have these dream workshops I've been doing that are really fun. Um, people from all over the country joining these dream works and then we use those as a backdrop of our integration exercises. It's been quite rewarding and liberating. Mm. Grateful oh, to be here, yeah, thank that's... you. That does sound like really interesting work. Um, what What's one thing that somebody could do if they were interested in like getting more out of their dreams or starting that dream work to sort of start that? Uh, the first thing I say to people is get out of our own way, right? So one of the things that happens, and it sounds like a loaded answer, but the idea is um, start to massage the space give this liminal space, right? And the idea behind this liminal space is if you give yourself the container, you'd be alarmed at how much information will be downloaded within you. And going back, as you see the golden thread through our conversation, is as if we're too busy through our day, there's gonna be no time to even opportunity or take the opportunity to listen to what happened throughout our evening. We'll be so consumed with pivoting to the daily tasks that we lose sight of the rich, fruitful information being downloaded on us. Wow. Yeah, when I came off of sort of the daily cannabis use, um, one of the ironies was that originally when I started working with cannabis or using it, I should say, um, it was to help me sleep. And eventually it got to a place where it was preventing me from sleeping where I couldn't sleep without it. And one of right. the sort of the side effects of that was basically completely losing the ability to dream. And so when I stopped uh, using it, the way that the dreams flooded back in uh, was just such a wonderful gift. And um, so, yeah, uh, dreams and dream material is definitely something that I'm, always curious about learning more about yeah I, I don't think there's enough time to say the 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 clarity of sobriety because that's ultimately a, a, a beautiful space and expression yeah well, awesome well ryan this has been such a wonderful conversation i really appreciate you um being here um one last question since the the name of the podcast is the vital point, you know, and, and my vital point is like, you know, you have to, whatever the, 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 the method, you've got to actually practice it. It's not enough just to read and then not actually apply it. Um, so like, what's one vital point that you would um, share, like with somebody that you are working with or that you'd want to share with a larger audience? I'm so grateful you asked the question because I've been dying to say it and I shared it uh, loosely at the beginning, but it's being gentle with yourself. It, it, it's an action. It's not a passive experience. And so you talked about um, needing to take action in it. It's going, oh, and people will even hear this now. They'll go, yeah, sure, this new age hippie, be gentle with yourself. No, what I'm saying is practice it in the morning. Find a way to be graceful and gentle. If that means giving yourself five more minutes to lay down, or sip your coffee a little slower. Give yourself the grace of your efforts and the gentleness within the expression of how you show up. 
And I think it's a wonderful, you've been alluding to Buddhism and I deeply appreciate that as well is this idea of what are you going to do to practice gentleness today? What's, and the vital point for me is it's grace, it's compassion and it turns right back into love. Thank you for offering that. Thank you for giving me this platform. It's a deep honor. Yeah, so definitely uh, connect with Ryan if um, this interview uh, kind of spoke to you. And I can't recommend the Psychedelic Integration Handbook enough. As Ryan mentioned, you can get it on Amazon or connect with him directly. Um, it's a wonderful compendium into the world of integration. There's so much great information as well as practices that you can you know start to work with um, in your own process uh, for deepening your psychedelic experiences or like we were saying just um, enriching the experience of your life you know a lot of beautiful self-development practices in here that you don't need any psychedelics to um, appreciate as well so um, can't recommend that book enough and definitely appreciate Ryan being here. Hope you can come back again. Um, and yeah, pleasure is all always. Mine, sir. Really appreciate it. Always, always. The awesome. invitation is always accepted. Awesome. Well, yeah. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of The Vital Point. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the podcast on your favorite platform would definitely appreciate a review. It helps us grow. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did uh, with the conversation. And until next time, my friends, keep practicing because that's the vital point. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I'd love it if you leave a review. Follow me on Instagram at Blue Magic Alchemy if you'd like to learn more about transformation integration, and how to connect through coaching, breathwork, and meditation. Remember that regardless of the methods you're practicing, the vital point is to practice. 